Good after, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, the Key Row Film Society. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is um, today we are going to begin uh, a series of podcasts that's going to be based around the um, the Joss Whedon universe that is known as specifically the Buffyverse, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and the show Angel. Uh, so I'm going to spend about three weeks on that. Uh, our three episodes, so we're going to do the first three seasons, All so today, season one, um, I think that's the way I will do it, I might, there's a possibility I might split up the seasons, I'm not sure yet, uh, but I know today we're going to do season one, uh, next week will be season two, or at least half of it, and then the following week, either the second half of season two, or I'll do season three. Um, little bit of background, uh, I am, uh, I'm a huge fan of the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so a huge fan of all the work that Joss Whedon does. Uh, Joss Whedon, if you are not familiar with him, has done quite a bit of work, to be honest. Uh, cinematically, he's done a lot of work with uh, script work. Uh, his most notable work, is prob- in terms of screenplay work, uh, would be the first Toy Story. Um, he worked on the screenplay there, and I think he... Had- I can't remember if he won an Oscar with that or something like that. Uh, he also worked on some other movies. Uh, some other movies like that. Uh, I think it was one of the Alien movies he worked on. I can't remember which one. Uh, more recently, his big blockbuster film uh, would be the, the first you know, Marvel's Avengers. And then he did Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. Uh, he was very much played a big part in strengthening the progression of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, he definitely played a role in getting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. off its feet. Um, and so, or on its feet, I should say. And then uh, he's, got, he's had a few TV shows. He's had Firefly and, of course, the movie Serenity. Uh, he's done Dollhouse and... Still, I mean, with all these good successes, he's done a number of other movies. Uh, the thing that stands out the most in his career still, to this day, Avengers is a huge one blockbuster-wise. It's big because of the fact that it just made a lot of money. But the thing is, it's ultimately the Avengers is Marvel's movie much more than it is Joss Whedon's. He didn't create... Joss Whedon... Did not create the Captain America. He did not create the Incredible Hulk or Thor, etc., etc. He it was. I mean, he did a great job with what he did, but it's ultimately not his characters. But Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel are his characters, and they are the ones that carry the legacy more than anything else. Now, there are many people who shy away from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. For a variety of reasons. One is the name of the show. I mean, like, what kind of name is Buffy? You know, what kind of a name is that? And so people don't don't take it seriously. Uh, Secondly, probably, for some people, the only image they have of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was the movie that came out in 1992, or whatever year it was. Actually, I, I didn't watch the show for quite some time. Uh, cause I, my image of Buffy, 
initially was that movie, and that movie was a really bad and cheesy movie. And for that reason, I really um, wasn't too gung-ho about it. But then more recently, another thing that kind of adds to the dynamic or the struggle to get people to watch it uh, or to be interested in it is the fact of is the Twilight franchise, which, you know, the Twilight franchise is now very much old news. Um, not as old as Buffy is. Uh, in fact, Buffy, next March, will be the 20th anniversary of the first episode of Buffy, uh, The Vampire Slayer. And so, but, even still, um, like I said, uh, the Twilight movies came out, and it's this sparkly vampire, this emo romance, and all those type of things, and this is what people usually think of when they think of vampire movies, sadly, or shows, or TV series, especially because, uh, you know, uh, the Twilight movies involve a dark and uh, brooding... They involve a dark and brooding vampire who's in love with this high school girl. Buffy the Vampire Slayer has a dark and brooding vampire who's in love with a high schooler. But the thing is, that's where the similarities end. Angel's a much better character than Edward Cullen. Much more depth, especially given what you learn about his past. Buffy is a much better female character uh, than uh, than what uh, what you have in Twilight, what you have with Bella, and the thing is that and so as I get into season, so as I talk about Buffy, a lot of its strengths it slowly develops its strengths, but. The thing is, is the, sh- the show is so good at... It's very good at character development. It's good at creating its own histories, its own um, mythologies that are in- interesting and engaging. Uh, you care about these characters. Buffy is one of those shows that does a great job at making you cry, making you choke up, because it gets, he gets you to love these characters. So when anything bad happens to them, you feel a genuine emotion. And I'm still I think there's still not even to this day, there's a lot of good shows on TV right now. I mean, shows like Flash, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff on TV. TV is really strong now compared to what it was even ten years ago. And but with all these shows, there's still not a lot of shows that are this good at developing characters and creating that emotional connection to those characters. Um, I mean, you look at shows like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead, they're both very good at character development. They really are. It's They're very good at that. But And, and even though both of those shows have a lot of depth, um, a lot of pe- there's a lot of characters that die in the show. 
with the ex- with very few exceptions, with a couple exceptions, the deaths just don't hit you emotionally. Um, the exception I can think of in Game of Thrones, uh, Hodor's death was very deeply sad. Um, in Walking Dead, um, uh, uh, Carol's daughter, when she dies, uh, Sophia, uh, that, you know, is extremely emotional death. And I, I'm sure there's probably a few others that could probably be thrown in there, but you just don't have a quite what Buffy does. And Buffy doesn't only get you emotional, even just in its deaths. It finds other ways to get you emotional and feel connected to the character. And Buffy knew how to make you cry without killing someone. And so we'll, I'll talk about that when we get to season two. But this is just kind of the headline of why this is such a great series and why I plan to walk through this series and review it. So with that in mind, um, I'm going to play this uh, fan-made trailer for Buffy Season 1. I think this would serve as a great way to segue into the discussion. Clean slate, Buffy. That's what you get here, even if it says... I know my transcripts are a little... Colored. You burned down the gym. You're not seeing the big picture here. I mean, that gym was full of bad... Asbestos. Hey, Jesse, what's what? New girl. That's right, I saw her. Pretty much a hottie. So you're from Henry, right? In L.A.? Yeah. Oh, I would kill to live in L.A. That close to that many shoes? <laughs> Are you? 
Did you really think you could best me here when you couldn't below? You have fruit punch mouth. What? All right, so as I mentioned, that was a fan-made trailer that I found on uh, YouTube about for season one of Buffy. Uh, so what I want, when I go through these seasons, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through episode through episode very quickly. Some episodes I'll spend more time on than others, and I'm going to kind of give some thoughts and discussion and things like that and kind of give my review, my overview of it. Um, as I begin... The purpose of the Kiro Film Society, as you know, is, as I've mentioned before, is to review movies and to look at ideas in it. And Buffy is a show that is just loaded with allegory. And so, to go back, uh, Joss Whedon uh, had told a story, it told the story that the reason he came, the idea of Buffy came from the, from watching an old, watching a monster movie where there's this monster movie, and there's this blonde girl who's being chased down, and, you know, the they're chasing down the blonde girl, and, of course, she gets killed. And so, Joss Whedon was thinking, you know, what would, wouldn't it be cool if this blonde girl was getting chased down, and instead of being killed, she actually turns around and kicks their butt? And so, this is the inspiration for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh... Joss Whedon is a very strong feminist, and so this comes out very much in his series. But it's not the only thing going on in here, and he does he's actually good feminist. He does feminism very well. Um, to bring comparison, there's a one of the shows that's on right now is Supergirl. And one of the things that really made it a little bit harder for me to enjoy the show Supergirl was that it was it's definitely a feminist show. And but the thing is, is that they kept they felt it felt like they had a grudge, or or you know, um, or they just always had the, an axe to grind in the feminist message that you know I'm a girl and I I could do just as good as the man there you know they kept doing this over and over. Buffy never did that. Very I think very very rarely if ever. Did they do that? It was never about comparing themselves to man. They lifted themselves up on their own accolades. And it made you buy into it. And it wasn't... And it didn't make it annoying. And that was one of my annoyances and grievances with Supergirl. And I'm hoping that they improve that in the second season. But Buffy, like I said, it is it is a feminist show. And they definitely empower... It's about empowering women. But... Or empowered women, and this, when we get to the seventh season, I have no clue when I'll review that. Uh, it comes out very strongly, but like I said, they don't. Uh, it doesn't feel like they have an axe to grind. It really does feel like women are powered of their own accord, uh, and so the show, the very first episode, is named "Welcome to the Hellmouth." And it's actually a part of a two-part episode, uh, Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. Welcome to Hel the Hellmouth is much mostly um, about introducing the characters. You have the main character, of course, Buffy, uh, who is the vampire slayer. You got Rupert Guy, Rupert Guy, <laughs> uh, Giles. 
<laughs> uh, Rupert Giles, and uh, the fact that I just mispronounced that, that's uh, actually uh, connects to a joke in a later, later season uh, when I think, I think it was it that Spike that created a, um, a robot Buffy and the, Buff, and the Buffy bot called him Giles instead of Giles. But anyways, um, Giles is the Watcher. He's a librarian. Uh, very smart. He knows everything. And he's, you know, he's guiding Buffy, training her, helping her to discover how to fight these different demons and monsters, vampires, things like that. Uh, you have uh, Willow, who is her best friend. Um, she's kind of a nerdy girl. Um, bookworm, computer jock, very much into computers. And then you have Xander, who's not very good at school, uh, not a very good student. Uh, you're introduced to Cordelia, who's the snobby girl, and uh, you know she does, you know does very well at that character. And by the way, I should mention number of these characters. Of course, there's also Jesse. Uh, he's a guy that's introduced, but he only lasts these two episodes. Um, you know, as I talk about these characters. Willow and Cordelia, in particular, are two characters that have absolutely awesome character arcs. Uh, Cordelia's character arc carries over into the show Angel, but really, Cordelia and Willow um, have an awesome, awesome character arc throughout the two, the, the two shows. Uh, Xander has a decent one. Um, but I think the reason why Xander doesn't have the sharp character arc, he does develop, but I think he's the way he is, it's because he really is, he's not the strongest, he's not the smart one, but he is the anchor of the group. And that comes up in season seven, uh, in the last season, and, you know, I'll talk about that much later. Welcome to the Hellmouth is, you know, like I said, again, you're getting introduced to Sunnydale. Sunnydale is, you know, this town. Uh, you're, it looks like you're kind of your small uh, suburban type town. Uh, or just kind of not far off from a major city, small town or whatever you want to call it. And uh, people seem to be, you know, kind of upper middle class for the most part. And... Uh, and the town happens to be built upon a hell mouth, a mouth into hell, exactly what it sounds like. And what it does is it creates this energy and it draws a lot of evil into the town, such as vampires, witches, ghosts, yada, yada, yada. And so this is, you know, Welcome to the Hellmouth is an introduction to Sunnydale, which sits on the Hellmouth. And it's, it's, you know, it's a solid introduction it lets you in on the world. Uh, I would not say it's a perfect episode, um, but it does let you into the world, and it gives you a little. It gives you explanation as to why she is where she is, and it will explain why she has a lot of difficulties with, in particular, her principal for the next several seasons. Um, you get introduced to Angel, and you know things, and so. It is a very well, um, it's a season that starts very well. A series that starts well enough, it gets it going. And by the way, there's a, here's the thing, is when it comes to learn, it be introducing someone to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
One of the big challenges, admittedly, is watching this first season. Uh, the first season is not a very strong season of television. It's got a couple of decent moments, but for the most part, it is fairly weak. And, and, the re- and so this kind of makes it hard for people to really enjoy the show, because when you want to learn a new show, you start in the first season, because you want the full picture. And so when you watch a later episode, um, there's, if there's, it happens to be an allusion to something that happened, you don't miss it. And so you want to watch all the episodes. The problem is, is season one is not, like I said, it's very weak. They, um, they had a very small budget. It was a 13-episode season. They were not sure if they were going to make it past season one. And so for that reason, it's a... And they didn't... I don't think they totally understood what they had until towards the end of this first season. And so... It's very rough. It's a very rugged show, and I can understand not being able to make it through. So if you want to take the shortcut, um, what I would recommend is watching the first two episodes, the episode Angel, and then the last episode of the season, which is Prophecy Girl. Uh, or sorry, and by the way, it's 12 episodes, not 13, my bad. So watch Prophecy... So, I repeat again. So if you're going to... If you want to make take the shortcut version... Watch Welcome to the Hellmouth, then The Harvest, then Prophecy Girl, and then just jump into Season 2. And Season 2 even, it's not perfect, but it does get better. And the end of Season 2, by the end of Season 2, it is rolling strong. And it rolls all the way to the end of the series. Um, and not to say that there's no more bad episodes. Every show has their bad episodes. Even the best of them. But... Uh, so anyways, uh, Welcome to the Hellmouth was, you know, it's a good introduction, um, but the strengths of the show are really not on display yet. But I do like it does set the tone of that, you know, the blonde not be, the blonde girl not always being the victim. Because the very first scene of the show is this, um, this girl and boy, they're sneaking into the high school, and, you know, they're wanting to go up onto the roof and make out. And given that you know it's a vampire show, and so you know that one of these two care that this, that some, there's a vampire here. And your assumption, and this is showing kind of our sexism, I'll admit to it, our stereotyping, your assumption and your guess is that the guy is going to be the vampire. And especially, and it's not only because he's a guy, it's because they kind of play it, make him... Um, kind of aggressive. Um, they show him being cocky, and he even has kind of a little bit of a predatory um, sense to him. And then all of a sudden, boom! You turn just when you think that the guy is the bad one, you find out that the girl is actually the vampire. And this sets the tone of the show to not expect of of a the small petite blonde girl um, being actually strong and able to stand up against others. Um, and it sets up the, you know, defying of expectations. Uh, the second episode, The Harvest, is a continuation of Welcome to the Hellmouth. This is where you get intro- more introduced to the main villain of the series, which is the Master. Uh, the Master is a really, really old vampire uh, who's been stuck in the Hellmouth because of an earthquake that happened. Uh, many many years ago, before, and 
And so you get introduced to him, and I think, and I honestly think the Master was a good villain. I think he's well portrayed. Uh, they used good makeup for him, um, and you know the voice, the way he was spoke, speaking. Uh, I think it was a strong, good performance. Uh, but you know, again, nothing overly exciting. Uh, the one thing I will take out of this show is that this episode. There's definitely moments uh, where. You get the Joss Whedon writing. Uh, the little quips and the comments. Uh, one of the things I know is that Buffy, uh, you know, she, the way she quips and the way she kind of has a banter during her fights is modeled after Marvel Comics Spider-Man. And it definitely comes out. And uh, one, of the, one of the moments is at the very end of The Harvest when Luke, who is this vessel to help... Uh, lead the master out of his uh, little prison or whatever, uh, Buffy says, you know what, there's one thing you forgot about. Sunlight. And she throws this, you know, she breaks a window, and he goes, ah, he's all freaking out because it's there's this light that looks like it's sun, but it's not really, it's just a yellow light. And to which Buffy quickly says, which is another, which is in another six hours of moron, and then she, then she kills him, and so that just a little banter, mocking the guy just before he kills him. Uh, you also get some great little lines, like you know when it's in, when uh, Willow and Xander are, uh, you know, first find out that vampires and all this world is real. There's this you know like nice little moment where Will says you know. I, I think I need to sit down. And Buffy responds and says to her, You are sitting down. Oh, good for me. So it's just nice little humor, nice little... I love the dialogue of, of um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. This is one of the appealing uh, traits of anything that Joss Whedon does. Uh, it's, this, this kind of writing also shows up in Firefly. Um, it's even showing up in, in the Avengers films. You can definitely tell that Joss Whedon's mind is behind the show because his writing is definitely there in the dialogue. Uh, episode three was entitled "The Witch." Uh, this is and this was a very smart third episode because it right away establishes for the audience that this show is more than just vampires. Um, that there's going to be other things, you know, witches, there's going to be, and, you know, zombies, things like that. All these things that, um, these different kinds of monsters and demons. And so, um, it was very smart to do this episode. And so we're going to talk, you know, as I mentioned, is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a giant allegory. Uh, the Hellmouth is an allegory for what high school's like. Hell, high school is quite hellacious. For many people. And it feels like it's on a hell mouth. And think, there's you have to worry about... And it's not just because of worrying about books and um, your grades and stuff like that. But it has... A lot of it is just, you know, the pressure of, of social pressures that come with it. Uh, the challenges if you have, happen to have a job or whatever. Um, there's many different things that contribute to it feeling a bit like a hell mouth. And the demons in the show... Or the monsters of the week, um, all a lot of times will portray a particular demon that we tend to fight um, in our life, in our 
in our in our lives. Uh, so the witch is, you know, this is where Buffy is trying out to be a cheerleader. And you have this one girl who is um, named Amy. And she's also trying out. And she's under ex- intense pressure from his, her mother. And so the witch is just a very simple allegory about the pressure of parents um, on their kids to be like them, to succeed in certain ways, and the challenge that comes with that. Uh, episode, it, it's not, it's actually not a horrible episode, it's watchable. Um, but again, like I said, the show does not get really, really strong a little bit till later. Uh, Teacher's Pet, uh, this is kind of a weaker episode. Uh, Xander, uh, there's this, this teacher, Miss French, uh, substitutes for for the science teacher, and it later it's found out that she happens to be a giant praying mantis. Uh, Xander is attracted to her. She tries to kill Xander, etc., etc. Um, really, kind of a lame story, but you know it's in there. Uh, Never kill a day boy on the first date is the fifth episode. This is um, this is the introduction of. The anointed, uh, the anointed one who um, is going to be uh, very significant to the end of the season. And the whole thing is it, sh- it be- reveals the difficulty of Buffy because, you know, Buffy has this job um, to you know, save lives. And that's the story of this, of the entire series. And she has to forsake things she wants to do. Um, in this case, it's dating a boy. And she realizes that in the job that she has, and this is actually, I don't think this is really so much a high school allegory. This is actually an allegory for many jobs. There are many careers that will influence who you marry. Because, you know, like myself as a pastor, um, you know, I keep, there are certain people that if I marry, it'll make being a pastor much more difficult than it needs to be. And so, you know, it makes romance difficult. And you have to pass up a romantic night uh, to do the things of your vocation, of your calling. And so this is what she has in his. And this is, you know, again, this is not a super strong episode, but it does have a moment that I think is strong. And that's at the very, very end of the episode. Um, it's one of the first times they really make a good use of music. And and they've used music up to this point, but this was a really strong one. And this is, because uh, at the very end of the episode, uh, Giles has a bit of a heart-to-heart with Buffy. And and it's revealed to you that Giles happens to be somebody who was selected to be a watcher and he didn't want it either. And you realize that him and Buffy have more in common than they realize. And you see this kind of fatherly figure for Buffy because you know Buffy is the daughter of a single mother. Their parents are divorced. But her dad lives down in L.A. and you never see anything of him. And so she develops this fatherly figure in Giles. 
And this is a very fatherly moment where she's facing the heartbreak that she can't be with this guy that she wanted to because that she is the Slayer. And um, Giles does this great job of, you know, sitting there and connecting to her. And you see more of Giles as a person and you're being introduced more uh, to uh, what this character is. You know, what it means to be a Slayer. Episode 6 is entitled The Pack. Uh, This is an episode where Xander and four other students, they become possessed by a hyena spirit. Uh, It's a very... This is kind of of a pretty lame episode. Uh, The only thing that's significant about it is that Principal Flutie, who's the principal at the beginning of the series, uh, gets eaten by the students. Um, And this gets referenced later in the series... But otherwise, you know, it's not um, that great of an episode. Uh, the only thing is that this episode, you know, it, allegorically, it would be an allegory for bullying. Um, but really, there's probably... I think this show might have had some better episodes for that. Uh, so, uh, episode 7. This is actually a very significant episode in the history of the show. And that is the episode Angel. This is the episode where we re- it is revealed to us who Angel is. Angel, at this point, has been this mysterious guy that has shown up from time to time to help Buffy. Well, in this episode, it turns out that Angel is a vampire. Ooh. And then it f- becomes a mystery. Like, why is he helping Buffy if he's a vampire? And you find out the reason is it's because he's got a soul. And in... Um, in the Buffyverse, soul is just a word to speak of one's conscience or their moral compass. And so you find out that Angel has this moral compass, that he has this soul. And this is why he does the good things. He does the right things. And and, you're, and the thing is, is I love it. They explain to you. And this is smart because people, I don't think people would get this right on the surface. Because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast the um, sim- that, you know, uh, Twilight has kind of taken away, has kind of damaged the reputation of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even though they're not connected. It's just because they have this basic similarity. And in, Buff- in the, the movie Twilight, and I haven't read the books, but I've seen the movies, there's this whole thing about... Um, Bella wanting to be turned into a vampire and and Edward says that he doesn't want to because he's afraid of losing his soul well here he's being a little bit more metaphoric whereas in the case of um, um, in the case of Angel his soul really does make a huge difference. And so, like he says, this is the, lo- the line that explains it all. is because we learn that Angel has been one of the worst vampires for over a hundred years. And so he said, and he makes this quote, he says, you have no idea what it's like to do the things that I have done and care. So in other words, this is, you know, the idea of being forced to do horrible, horrible things 
under the influence of others. Maybe this is, you could even see this as a, an allegory for some forms of slavery, where you're enslaved to an evil person. And in the end, you're, when you break free, you look back on all the things you've done and you hate yourself and you can't, there's no way to be pleased with who you are. And this is a, what plays into, this is the core of the character Angel. And season two, this plays a very, very big role. Um, it is Angel, the episode Angel is a very good episode because it develops a very strong plot line for the entire um, television series, the entire Buffyverse. And it's an important episode in terms of the um, the canon of the shows, but it's also it's also a good story. It's a good episode. Uh, episode 8 is I, Robot, You, Jane. Uh, this is, you know, allegory of online dating. It's kind of interesting uh, to look at an episode of like this April 28th, 1997 is released. So, you know, j- just over 19 years ago, that episode aired. And you look at the way people viewed d- online dating back then compared to now. There's people that are still weary and worried about it. Ugh. Excuse me. Uh, but it's not quite as bad as it was when Buffy aired. Uh, the episode is a very weak episode because it turns out this, you know, this this guy that Willow's getting attracted to online happens to be a demon, and but it, like I said, it, it really is probably might be the worst episode of the entire uh, TV series of either TV show. Uh, episode nine is the Puppet Show. Uh, this is the introduce introduction of Principal Snyder. Uh, who replaces Principal Thuluti. Uh Principal um, Schneider p- plays uh, an important role in the series eventually. And so it's important to introduce to him that he's, you know, this very hostile one. He does not give Buffy or any teenager, for that matter, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you get... And then the episode ends up, you know, it's got some comedic moments a little bit. Uh, watching... Uh, you know, dealing with Cordelia. This actually is a good Cordelia episode because uh, Cordelia is, you know, introduced as being this very shallow character. And <laughs> there's, you know, there's one great moment, there's two great moments involving Cordelia in here. One is like when there's a, this ballerina girl, they found her dead body and... You know, they're kind of asking questions to figure out who did it. And Xander is in charge with Cordelia, and so he's talking to Cordelia. Cordelia's like, instead they're going, you know, Emma was like my, or Emily was like, Emma was like my best friend. Xander's like, Emily. You know, and all I sat there, was I looked at that bot, I heard about this. And all I could think about is, it could have been me. To which Xander said, we can only dream <laughs> because you listen to it. She's just so self-centered. And this happens several times throughout the show um, in regards to the tragedies happened at this school. <laughs> and uh, and it actually plays into how strong her character arc is. This is who she is. And what you see who she becomes by the end of this 
of the franchise, it is um, pretty. Impre- it's a pretty good character development. Um, and you also had the whole little moment where uh, Giles is trying to get away from Cordelia, and he just goes, just convince, try, gets her convinced that something's wrong with her hair, and freaks her out, and you know gets her to leave. So I mean, there's some good Cordelia moments, some good humor in this episode. Uh, it's just a fun episode, but and it's definitely a filler one. But it's you know I wouldn't say it's a great episode, but it's not a bad one either. Uh, episode ten is entitled Nightmares. Uh, this episode is about um, this this boy who's in a coma. Uh, he was, we find out at the end of the episode he was beaten by his Little League coach, and so he's in this coma, and as he's in this coma, he's inciting all these fears uh, in the in the c- city of Sunnydale, and uh, and it's actually, it's actually, I won't lie, this is actually a pretty decent episode. Uh, again, there's some good moments, there's some humorous moments, there's some sad moments and uh there's a lot there's some decent writing in this episode um is it perfect again no it isn't but it's definitely got some good strengths to it um episode 11 uh out of mind out of sight this is about a girl who becomes invisible uh after everyone's ignoring her uh this episode gets a reference later but really is probably one of the most... Probably, it's not an awful episode. It's just probably the most... One of the most forgettable episodes in the Buffy Vampire Slayer. So as you've heard me go through this, you've heard me say that most of these episodes are not really strong. And so we get to the last episode of the season. And so this is the season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And for all I know, this could have been the series finale. And and then this is the episode Prophecy Girl, which is, as I mentioned before, this is one of the four episodes that you should definitely watch if you go through season one. And if you want to watch through Buffy, you really got to watch this episode as well as Angel and those first two. And so this is the episode, this episode I really like because it sets up the danger or the severity of what is going on in their world. Uh, you have... I mean, you have the earthquake. Uh, you have this whole thing where Buffy's talking about how the vampires are getting more aggressive. Um, they're becoming uh, cockier. Uh, you have, like I said, the earthquake. You have the blood flowing from the sink. The water in the, instead of water flowing in the sink. Uh, you have all these different matters. But it's, this is an episode... That also does a great job. This is one of the first episodes to really tug at the emotional strings. And the way they do this is with the plot that, you know, there's a prophecy about what's going to happen on that day. Is that Buffy is going to go down, she's going to face the master, and she's going to die. And Giles tells this to Angel... Well, Buffy overhears it. And it's such a well-done scene. This is... It is well... 
Um, it's very well acted by Sarah Michelle Gellar, who plays Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Buffy Summers. It's well played by um, Anthony Stewart Head, who plays Giles. And it's well played by David Boreanaz, who plays Angel. It is a very well done scene. Because imagine you're, you know, you're a 16 year old girl. And you just heard there's a prophecy that you're going to die. Wow, the weight of that. And they play that. This is good writing, good directing. Is they knew exactly how to answer that. She got emotional. She was crying. And she's like, I don't want to die. I'm only 16. I don't want to die. And, this, and the thing is, is this is... Goes back, this really well connects to the first episode of the season. Because the first episode of the season, she didn't want to be the Slayer. She got kicked out of school. Horrible. Th she had had so horrible things in her hometown. And she had to leave because of that. And now here she's finding out even worse that because she is the Slayer, that she's going to die. And so she decides to quit. Um... And by the way, one of the things she does when she quits is she throws uh, her cross necklace on the ground. I'm going, to, I'm going to go back to the episode Angel. The end of the Angel episode has, one of I think, one of the most romantic scenes in, a TV sh in the TV show. And this, because Angel gave her that cross necklace. And I think she he gave it to her in the first episode, if I remember correctly. And there's this awesome moment at the end of the episode. Because, you know, he's a vampire. Vampires um, can't touch crosses because if they touch a cross, it burns their skin. And so Buffy and Angel kiss. And when they finish kissing, he goes, How do you feel? And he says... And she makes some comment about how it hurts, doesn't it? And he's and he just kind of gestures like yes. And then the camera zooms in and shows that that cross that she's wearing burnt a, a mark of a cross right over her heart. And it's to me that's just a beautiful, very poetic moment. Um, and the relationship of Buffy and Angel is very poetic, very tragic, very Shakespearean. But anyway, so she threw that cross down and she leaves. She quits. This is, you know, going back to the uh, episode Prophecy Girl, the last season finale. And and again, this is going to show, this episode ends up showing how tough it is to be who she is. How tough it is to be the Slayer because she finds out that she's going to die and she wants to quit but it becomes difficult because there's this whole thing with Cordelia and Willow. Cordelia and Willow are getting closer to one another. And it was actually in the episode Out of Mind, Out of Sight that actually got Cordelia to start acting friendly um, because they saved her. And this actually this has a little bit of important development because Out of Mind, Out of Sight, like I said, was a, a character development episode for Cordelia. And they definitely further that in Prophecy Girl. 
Um, she's still shallow, but you can see her starting to slightly change in her thinking. So, um, but anyways, there's this whole thing where they're trying to set up for a dance, and they're working with some of the sound guys, and they went to talk to him, and they go to the room where they're supposed to meet, and there they find them, all dead. Killed by a bunch of vampires. And blood on top of the, on the screen of um, the television, and you see an old vamp, um, Looney Tunes episode just quickly playing with these pigs dancing around and enjoying and it was like the vampire set those bodies up to mock and incite fear and it's when Buffy hears this story she realizes that she has to go through with this she's going to have to face death because if she doesn't what more harm is going to happen to her friends and those she cares about and like I said, it shows very well how hard what she has to do is. And so pro- the season finale is definitely the strongest. I would say it is the strongest episode of the season. Um, the episode Angel is um, a close second, or maybe if you could even make an argument that's maybe a tie between the two. The only weak point I would argue for this episode is the the very end is how the master is defeated, and I think this is more of a, a result of um, low budgets and you know only having twelve episodes, because the master is you know portrayed throughout the season as this really tough vampire, and it feels really quick to be honest. And I understand why that was that way, because they had to develop... They developed this really good story, but the problem, the thing that came weak is by developing this strong story, they lost out on um, the payoff with the big villain of the Master. Um, But in retrospect, that was probably the right decision. If you're going to anchor in one way or the other, they made the right decision, because this episode really and truly established the show of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one that connects emotionally to the audience. It's what made it more than just a a vampire show or just a uh, a horror or thriller show. It made it human. And that is remarkable in a show that is all about demons. But here, it became... Um, human and it set the course for the entire series and and so Buffy the Vampire Slayer season 1 um, if I were to give the whole season on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, I would probably give it 7 stars and that's even that's a barely a, or barely a 7 out of 10 um, it was definitely the weakest season of the series but there's episodes that are essential, and some of those episodes were def- most definitely key to the success the show would eventually have. 
So there are my thoughts of the first on the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I if you've never watched this show, seriously, if you got Hulu, if you have Hulu, if you have, and or if you have Netflix, it is on both um, services. Just sit back, watch it. It's a good show. Has great story, great characters, um, some great dialogue. It can be it's funny at times. Uh, makes use good use of music. There's a lot of good reasons to watch it. And like I said, if you want to avoid watching the boring season one, uh, too much of the boring season one, just go back and watch those four episodes I mentioned. Again, watch the first two episodes, watch the episode Angel, and then watch the episode Prophecy Girl, and you should be okay to move on to the second season. So... Uh, with that, I am, this is an episode of the Key Row Film Society. Um, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I'm a pastor in Northwest Iowa, and um, I pray that this was a ble- this podcast was fun for you. You enjoyed it, and hopefully, you could see ways you could even you could um, think about high school life uh, through the lens of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, thank you, and God bless. Thank you.